So um, I, I, I want to share with you, I want to end the series today we've been on called New Normal. And uh, I, it's really been on my heart to share this series with you because I believe that God doesn't, um, I don't believe God goes on vacation during crisis. I don't believe that God, we oftentimes, because our routine has changed, we, you know, we disconnect. And I don't think that God disconnects. I don't think that God goes, oh, well, things are, you know, out of routine now. I'll just wait till everything gets back in order and then, I, you know, we'll do stuff again. I don't think that's how God works at all. I think God actually sometimes does his greatest work when we're off balance the most. And so I think God is just, the Holy Spirit is exploding on the earth today doing incredible things. And if we won't be so distracted by what's around us, we can get in tune with what he's doing in us. And that's what the, kind of the heart of this whole New Normal series is about. I was thinking about uh, my first missions trip this week. When I was in my 20s, I took my very first missions trip. I was very excited because I'd never been out of the country before and uh, had hardly been out of the South maybe, maybe once in my life. And so to go to another country was awesome. The language was different. The culture was different. We went to Argentina, had a great week. The missionaries had a uh, tradition there that at the end of the week, they would bring all the team over to their house and have pie night. So nothing. I have no convictions against pie. I want you to know that right up front. So we went right there and had our pie time. And, but it, after we fellowshiped for a while and, and ate and goofed off, uh, the missionary, one of the missionaries said to us, she said, I really, as I was preparing for tonight, she's the one that cooked all the pies. She said, I really felt like God wanted me to share a couple things with this group. Would it be okay? And I said, yes. And she said something I'd never heard before. She said, I really feel like God wants you to know that the only things that can hurt you are the things that you won't let go of. And I had never heard anybody say that. I had never heard that thought before. I had never heard that idea before. Up until that point, I had, a, I had assumed life was primarily driven by what you could acquire. In other words, uh, training, education, knowledge, experience, um, accomplishments, Things that you could get, things that you could build, things that you could sort of compound up across time, experience or knowledge or skill or influence or whatever it was, and that's how your life would leverage to, to be effective, to make an impact. But she said something I'd never heard. She said, the only things that can hurt you are the things that you won't let go of. And, and, and here we are now almost 25 years later, and that thought has never left my mind. Because here's what I've learned. A big part of your effectiveness as a Christian has less to do with what you acquire and more to do with what you're willing to let go of. Because we hold on to things too tight, and we hold on to things too long, and, and we won't let go of them. So here's what I want to ask you today, and this is just what I came to talk to you about. Is there anything that you need to let go of? Because that has more to do with your impact and effectiveness in life than just what you're able to, to achieve, what you're able to acquire. That's what, that's what we all, all think is going to happen. But see, look, you have people who have acquired great homes and great material goods and great education and all kind of great things, but because there's something they won't let go of, it wrecks their life. 
It breaks their life and ruins their life. From the outside, everything may look good, but on the inside, they have a death hold on something. And it breaks marriage, and it breaks relationship, and it, and it breaks your soul, and it breaks your sleep at night, and it breaks, it breaks your health, and it breaks your connection with God because there's something you won't let go of. So that's what I came to ask you as we end this new normal series, going from slavery to freedom requires a series of letting things go. So this morning, I just want to review for a minute kind of where we've been. We've talked about what does God do in chaos. Israel had been in slavery 430 years, and so nobody could remember a time they were ever free. God delivers them from slavery to the promised land, but it takes 40 years, and the reason it takes 40 years, it took God one day to get his children out of Egypt. It took him 40 years to get Egypt out of his children. It takes one, one moment for God to save your soul. It takes years for him to disciple you into a person who's ready for a life of impact. So, so it's two different things. There's a transition that has to take place. You're, you're not just instantly made for the new normal. You've got to be transformed for it. You've got to be prepared for it. Taking a broken down village of slaves and turning them into an influential nation that really impacted the world couldn't be done in one day or two or five or a week. It took 40 years. There's a certain mentality that a slave or a prisoner or a person who's been abused has, and that mindset has to be changed before that person can excel in freedom. You and I all have one thing in common. It doesn't matter where you are spiritually today. It does not matter. There was a day when you were a slave to sin. There was a day, it might, it might still be today, but there was a day that you were a slave to sin, and in order for you to excel in freedom, some mindset things have to change. We're not talking about are you going to heaven or not, we're talking about are you ready for the new normal? Are you ready for what God's going to do? And if you're not ready for what God's going to do, you'll be so distracted by what's around you, you won't be in tune with what God's doing in you. And what God's doing in you is, he's preparing you for a new normal, for a, for a new life, for a new way. So 430 years, these people had been in slavery. You know, God sends 10 plagues. Remember this? 10 plagues to kind of shake Pharaoh into letting them go. And in the middle of chaos, Pharaoh says, all right, fine, I'm done, you can go. And they break camp. Imagine this. A million people after 430 years break camp and abruptly just head off to a new land. We were, we were talking about that the other night at dinner. We were saying, wouldn't it be crazy if we came to the dinner table? I don't even know how the joke came and said, hey, guys, that's it. We, oh, I know what it is. We saw a moving truck go by our house. And, and, and it looked like it was pulling our driveway. And one of my son looked at me and said, are we moving? <laughs> and I said, no. Wouldn't that be crazy if I just said, that's it. Dinner's over. Get your stuff. We're gone. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, like, you're not ready for that emotionally. Well, that's what happened. And, and you may say, weren't they shaking the dust off their hands and good riddance, we're glad we're gone? It was all they knew. It was familiar. It was their home. 
It, they might have been slaves, but it was their home. They didn't have a chance to say goodbye. And that matters. And there's a lot of things in the last six or seven months that some of you've lost. And you didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Maybe you lost your senior year of high school. <laughs> and all of a sudden you go, hey, everybody goes home. By the way, you're graduated. Nobody's coming back. Some of you lost your wedding ceremony. Some of you lost family traditions, or some of you might have lost jobs. Some of you might have changed jobs on Zoom <laughs> or retired in the middle of this craziness. We have people in our church who even lost family members, didn't even have an opportunity to have a funeral, just gone. And never had a chance really to have any closure or to say goodbye. The deeper the loss, the deeper the process it's going to take in order to let that loss go. But to find the new normal, we've got to be able to let go. Here's what I find happens. Oftentimes there are things buried so deep inside of us, we would let them go maybe if we knew that they were there, but we don't know they're there. But in times of chaos, the things that are buried become uncovered. And then we say, I thought I was over that. I thought, I thought I was done with that. I thought, you know, when my, whatever, when my dad died as a child or whatever your story is, that didn't happen to me. I'm just saying, whatever happened, you may think, I've never, I never thought that affected me. But then you get to this crossroads of life and these same old memories and these same old thoughts and these same old feelings start coming back again. And what God is actually doing is preparing us for a new normal and a life of impact, but he's got to take you from this moment of bondage into this life of freedom so that you'll be ready to do it. But along the way, you don't know it, but our arms are full of stuff we've been carrying for years. And he's saying, by the way, while we're here, you think this is about the pandemic. You think this is about, you know, this thing you lost two months ago that really wasn't that big a deal. But now that you're in the mode and now that your heart is open and now that you're looking around, why don't we just go ahead and lay some of the other stuff down too? Why don't we go ahead and heal some other things while we're in there work, working around already? So here's the thought for today. You can't pick up what God has for you until you're willing to let go of what you're carrying. You can't pick up what God has for you until you're ready to let go of what you're already carrying. So let me this morning give you three mindsets that have to change in order for us to, in order for us to let go, three mindsets we need to let go of so that we can move into the new normal. Number one, the mindset that says you're alone. You know, Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And the people get restless day in and day out. Where's Moses? We don't know. Where's Moses? We don't know. And you have to understand, to them, Moses represented God. He wasn't God, but he was their link to God. Because he would go and talk to God, and God would tell him what to say, and he'd come back and tell him. But they hadn't heard from Moses in so long, they got this feeling that God's gone. God's abandoned us. So they started melting their jewelry down and making their own God because they had this feeling that they, were, they had been abandoned, and they were alone, and they were by themselves. And this is what I find that happens to so many of us. 
Satan wants you to either believe you're alone or actually be alone because you're weak. How, how many of you like to watch um, like National Geographic and you know you like to watch those kind of yeah? So you always know. Uh, you can tell by the music, right? You can always tell. By, I always wonder whose team I'm supposed to be on. Am I supposed to be pulling for the lions? Or am I supposed to be pulling for the wildebeest? You know, I don't know whose team I'm on, depending on the camera angle. But you can always see it's happening. This pride of lion has moved in on this little wildebeest or this buffalo. And what they're trying to do is separate it from the herd. They get it surrounded, and you know you go, yeah, it's over. Life on the savannah you know, has changed for this little wildebeest. It's gone. But this is what Satan tries to do to us. He wants to convince us that we're abandoned and we're alone because then we become weak and he can prey on us and do in our life what he wants to do. But here's what I want you to know. Loneliness has more to do with what's in you than who's around you. Loneliness has more to do with what's in you than who's around you. You ever, you ever been lonely in a crowd? So it didn't have anything to do with who was around you, did it? It had something to do with what was in you. And if you can resolve that, then you can begin to shift into a mindset where you can make an impact, where you're not weak, but you're strong, where, where, where you're not left behind but you feel like you're surrounded by, by uh, as Hebrew says, we've been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us, look at this, for adoption. That's an that's a important word. To sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So he chose us. You've been chosen, selected, accepted, welcomed. You belong to God. So you can never really ever be alone again. Like God cured that once and for all. The enemy can only try to convince you that you are, but you can never really ever be alone again. And then it says you've been adopted. He picked you for adoption. And what that means is that has set you in fellowship with nearly 2 billion Christians on earth who are your family. You're not really alone. So that mindset's got to shift. Can I tell you some of the uh, the, the body of Christ, the church, Jesus' family, has given me more things in my life than I ever thought I would have received. I've received like aunts and uncles and, you know, grandparents and godparents and friends and peers and mentors and people that I've helped along the way. Just surrounded. I'm always amazed when I go on a mission trip or something, or the times I've been able to go to another church and minister and meet people. I'm amazed how those, those people, God's people, who at that moment are absolute strangers to me, we've never met one time in our life, but they open the door and they open their heart in such a powerful way. And every time that happens, I'm reminded that I've been adopted and I've been set in a family. And so what loneliness has to do, it has to do with what's in you, not so much who's around you, because God has actually adopted us into his family, and we have two relationships. We have a relationship with God, and then we have a relationship with his people. 
So as a believer, we're never ever actually alone and we'll never ever be alone again. Now, now maybe you say, yeah, but you know what? I was part of this church and, and I got hurt. What about that? Or, or I, I really trusted this Christian and this Christian hurt me. What about that? We have a, a, a saying we say at Kingwood a lot, and it's this, life is better to, have you said that before? Say that with me. Life is better together. Don't you miss them together right now? Man, there's some together I've been missing with God's people. Because life is better together. Here's what you need to know. Your freedom from the pain of human relationship will come from the joy of your relationship with God. There are no churches where you won't get hurt. You know why? Because they have people in them. There are no Christians that are incapable of hurting you. There's only one perfect person, and we crucified him. So you can't look for the solution inside an imperfect person when the solution can only be given inside a perfect person, and that's Jesus. And so the, the solution to any pain that any church or Christian has ever caused you is an overflowing joy from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you get that first, I, I, it's been amazing to me. It really threw me off for a long time. When I was a young pastor and started in ministry, it seemed like the people that, that we spent the most time trying to help didn't, didn't get better. <laughs> and, and, and there are people that you will find that there's no amount of comfort, there's no amount of time, there's no amount of friendship, there's no amount of investment, there's no amount of, there's no amount of anything you can, you can put into their life that seems to satisfy the internal need. There's no amount of fellowship that can satisfy the internal need. That they have, and here's the reason because they're still looking for a horizontal relationship to cure a vertical problem. Jesus is the only answer. And when you get connected to Him, you have the mercy and grace to forgive God's people when they wound you. That doesn't mean you use a lack of wisdom or anything like that. But let me say it one more time loneliness has more to do with what's in you than who's around you. That mindset has to shift. Here's the second mindset. You're not good enough. So remember when the children of Israel um, were close to the promised land, they sent 12 spies into the promised land to check it out, and uh, 10 of them came back and said, they're giants here. Like, they're giants here. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. We're not going to be, a, we, we, here, we, here we go again about the 10th time. We should have died in Egypt, you know. They're back to that. We should have died in Egypt. And what are they saying? What mentality have they, after 40 years of discipleship in the wilderness, what mentality had they embraced? We're not good enough. We're not qualified. We're not strong enough. We're not, that's what 10 of them came back, by the way, the majority came back and said. Revelation 12.10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. That's what the enemy does. The devil finds an insecurity of yours and he just hammers it. He'll just hammer it and hammer it and hammer it. 
Because he's trying to throw you off balance spiritually. And if you don't have a mindset change that says, wait, 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 wait. I'm not basing my qualifications on what I have or do not have or what I've done or have not done. I'm basing my qualifications on Jesus' finished work on the cross. And until you have that mindset shift, you'll struggle. You'll struggle, and I've heard it. I've heard it all my life. Do you think slaves who've been slaves for over 400 years have some insecurities? Yes. But, I, but I've heard it all my life. I've heard people say things like, I didn't grow up in church. I have this hidden sin in my life. You don't know what I did in my past. I'm not a pastor or anything. I've never gone to Bible college. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And Satan loves that limited, small, frustrated feeling that you and I have that, that leaves us unqualified to live a victorious Christian life. When God is training you for victory. God is training you to be an overcomer. God is training you to live in victory. God is training you to walk in the promised land. God is training you to be a person of influence and a person of impact. But we can't do it with that old slave mindset. We can't do it with that old small mindset. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says it like this. There is now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you have a real relationship with Jesus, what that means is your sins have been washed away and they have been forgiven. You are clean and you are new. Therefore, you don't have to walk in any condemnation or shame or fear. Because God has made you a person of impact. He's made you an overcomer in this life. Here's the last one. God doesn't love you. <laughs> That's a mindset shift that has to happen in order for us to walk into a new norm. We have to, we have to let go. Now this one I say for last because I think it's the hardest. And I think if you can get this one, the other two are easier to get. Because life happens. <laughs> you know, there had to be some point in those 430 years that somebody said, you know, if God loves us so much, why are we still slaves? I mean, about the fourth generation, somebody says, listen, I don't know what my great-grandparents did to tick God off, but why is our life like, what did I do? What did I do? You ever ask that? You ever ask that when things go wrong? What did I do? Am I, am I a bad person? Did I, is there some hidden sin in my life so hidden I can't even find it? You know? Is God paying me back? Do you know what I found? The longer you suffer, the harder it is to believe God loves you. Because everything in your experience is telling you you're being punished. Everything, the circumstances of your life are communicating something to you. And they're communicating rejection. And they're communicating punishment. And they're communicating a lack of care. And a lack of concern. And a lack of, and a lack of love. And a lack of hope. The longer you suffer, the greater the pain, the more difficult it is to believe God loves you. 
They'd suffered oppression under Egypt for 400 years. Do you think it might have taken them a minute to learn that God actually loved them? But here's what I want you to know. This doubt about God's love is actually a direct misunderstanding of the character of God. And I want to tell you why. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because, will you say it with me this morning? God is love. Okay, so, so here it is. If you're struggling today, if you're suffering today, if you feel defeated today, if you're suffering, you have to have this mindset shift. And you might have to have it again tomorrow, and you might have to have it again Wednesday, and you might have to have it again and again and again and again throughout your life. But you have to have it, and here's why you have to have it. Because if you don't have it, it'll eat your faith. It'll eat your faith where you say, I don't even know. I don't even know if God notices or cares. I don't even know if it matters to Him what I'm going through. Here's the, here's the thought I want to leave with you today. To doubt God's love is to doubt God's goodness. But if God's not good, we're all hopeless. Right? So if God's good, He must love you. And I don't know how to reconcile the goodness and love of God with some things that I experience or some things I watch other people experience. I don't know how to reconcile them. And so that's where faith comes in. We have to say, God, it doesn't look like your word's even true. It doesn't even look like, you know, you're, you're working. But you have a decision to make. Today, I'm going to decide to put my faith in what your word says because it's rooted in your character that is rooted in the love and the goodness of God. Romans 8, 38, Paul the Apostle was so convinced. And man, he went through some stuff. There's a stretch of scripture you can read about him being shipwrecked and beaten and all kind of stuff, imprisoned. And here's what he said. He said, for I am convinced... Oh, God, convince me. God, I want to be convinced. God, convince me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have to feed that to yourself again. Come on, you have to feed that to yourself again and again and again until you believe it. You're going to defeat that doubt. You're going to defeat that mindset. You're going to let go of those thoughts the same way that Paul the Apostle did. You're going to feed yourself God's Word because it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it is powerful and able to transform you from within. Because sometimes life don't make sense. If your life has always made, made sense, that's awesome for you. <laughs> but for most people, it doesn't. You know, everything that we need to let go of isn't bad. And, and I'll just tell you a, a quick story. 
When we were in youth ministry in Florida, I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and, and, and also to Stacy and over time. And we knew it was time to make a transition. But I can remember driving down Highway 85 right in front of the church and kind of wrestling with God and saying, but God, <laughs> we're so happy. <laughs> like we, we love it here. This is home. This is our family. This is, this is everything I ever dreamed ministry and life would be like. And I'm, we're, we're happy. Things are going great. And they've been going great for a long time. And, and, and we're happy. And I can remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, I cannot give you what I'm trying to give you until you let go of what you're holding on to. And so sometimes what God asks you to let go of isn't something bad. Sometimes it's something good. Sometimes it's something he gave you. Sometimes those are the hardest ones because you say, but God, but you, I remember when you gave this to me. And God says, so do I. What does that have to do with it? <laughs> Let go. Let go. Well, this morning I want us to, um, I want us to pray together. Would you stand with me? If you're online, would you just, would you just, um, Close your eyes. You know, this morning as I, as I was um, preparing for this service, I just felt the Holy Spirit wanted to, wants to minister life today. Is there something you need to let go of? If you're, man, if you're online, go ahead and close your eyes. If you're driving a car, pull the car over. <laughs> I mean, let's just sit and pray. Don't listen to me pray. Don't just... Don't wait for me to pray. Let's just sit in prayer for a minute. Let's just meet God for a minute. Is there something you need to let go of today? Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to us this morning what it is we need to let go of, if it's a good thing or a bad thing, a sinful thing, a, a dream, a hope, an expectation, a fear? Would you just begin to let go today? Would you just begin to let go? God, today I let go. I let go today. Lord, we pray that you would bless every person that needs to be blessed. Lord, we pray for every person who needs a job, that you'd bring a job. Every person who's suffering today, God, we pray that you'd bring comfort. Come on and pray today. Let's meet God. Lord, we pray that you, every person that's sick, that you would heal. But God, while you're working, would you come on and go ahead and transform us and prepare us for a new normal? Come on and ask him, God, change my mind. Give me a new mindset. Give me a new way of looking at life. God, give me a new thought life. God, go ahead and shift inside me the perspectives that need to be shifted. Lord, help me to let go today. Help me to let go today. And Maybe, maybe what you need to let go of today is, is your old life. Maybe today is a day of salvation. Maybe today is a day where you start a new relationship with Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. If, you, if you're watching online, you're in the room, if, if today is that day, I want you just to begin to pray with me. If you say, I'm ready to let go of my old life. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to start a new relationship with Jesus. I want you to do that with me this morning. Would you just say, everybody praying out loud with me, Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. 
Lord, move into my heart and life. I believe today that you died on the cross for my sin and you resurrected to give me life. Lord, make me a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This is my new beginning. This is my new start. Today I start a real relationship with you. I want to live with you today. Oh, come on today. Aren't you glad this morning? If you're online, listen, if you're online and you prayed that, I just want you to type in the comment section, I receive Jesus. I receive Jesus. If you're in the room and you prayed that today, would you just lift your hand and say, today I received Jesus. I received Jesus. I see your hand. Yeah, I received Jesus. I received. Come on, would you just thank God today that people are receiving Jesus, walking into a new life? Come on and let's lift him up. Come on and let's lift him up today.